Welcome to the Fully Alive Man podcast. This is a podcast to help men become fully alive by doing life together. My name's Robbie Angle. I work at North Point Community Church with Lee Rogers, the director of men's group at North Point Church. And this podcast is for men who are intentional in community with other guys. A lot of you guys are in men's groups and married groups because we believe God has designed us to grow through the context of relationships. God is relational by nature as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and He has designed us to help each other mature and to grow through loving one another, and you can't one another somebody if you're not with one another. And so we are hopefully... Uh, doing community intentionally with other guys. And that is a vehicle for us to have conversations and to grow and to unpack conversations like we just had with Clay Scroggins in part one in the last episode. And this is part two, where he talks about his third and fourth uh, leadership principles and behaviors in his book, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. Like we introduced him last time, Clay is the lead pastor at North Point Community Church. And he wrote how to lead when you're not in charge, which is, has reached incredible uh, organizations and companies and churches and had huge impact on them. So we're super honored to have him, one, as a boss, because we have experienced the fruit of his leadership, and we have watched this guy lead out these principles and seen the effect of it. And Lee and I would both follow him just about anywhere as a leader. And so without waiting any longer, let's bring in Clay for part two of how to lead when you're not in charge. Clay, let's continue this conversation. What's up, guys? Glad to be back. So Thanks Clay- for having me back. I think there was a moment there when I thought, are we not going to do part two? But then you guys came through. Thanks. Here we are. Yeah. You, we thought you did a great job on part one. <laughs> well, I appreciate and, and, that. and the people out there said, hey, is you've, it going to happen? You've really earned part you've two. You've earned part two. <laughs> so part two, let's jump yeah. in, guys. What is the third behavior of leading when you're not in charge? Well- I don't know what your third behavior is, but I know what I know what mine needs to be. Um, I I wrestled with, as I mentioned last time, I wrestled with choosing positivity because it just feels a little bit um, lightweight. Or Lee, as you said, just being happy. It reminds me of the um, the scene from the Lego Movie. You've seen the Lego Movie. You've seen the Lego many movie. times. Oh, yeah. yeah, we only watch animated movies because we have little kids. That's but, right. Um, where they sing that song, Everything is Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I love, it's actually a very catchy song. But the idea that that choosing positivity is just walking around going, hey, my group is awesome. My job is awesome. My marriage is awesome. That's not, that's not a, in and of itself what cultivates influence. That what really cultivates influence is coupling that positivity, that posture, that attitude with the next behavior. Uh, for me, which is to learn to think critically, uh, which is all about bringing value. It's about making something better. Hmm. Uh, critical thinkers are really good at noticing things, questioning things, and then connecting things. Hmm. They notice, you know, why are the lights so dim in this restaurant? Why is the music so loud? And then they ask questions of curiosity. I mean, it's the, you know, the, there are people that do this naturally that probably were the kids that took apart all their toys just to see what was yeah. going on on the inside. You know, how does Stretch Armstrong actually war function, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and then they, they, they connect things. They make connections between what they notice and the questions they ask and the outcomes that they're trying to find. And some again, some people that have a more analytical brain, uh, strategic thinkers, do this naturally. 
but there is a way that you can get better at this. And when you couple bringing value, not turning your mind off, but applying your mind, being present in relationships and situations and circumstances to add value and help solve problems, when you bring that to a posture of positivity, you can really become a leader that uh, is cultivate, cultivating influence. This is a weird one for me to think about because it it feels like it's hard to choose positivity it and is. think critically at the same time. They are difficult to do. And usually, I would imagine whoever is listening to this, you are you lean one way or the other. Yeah. You either lean toward, oh, I'm really good at seeing the problem and thinking of solutions, or I'm really good at just being a team player and going, this is going to be awesome. It's kind of like it sounds like, oh, this is... That that's really good, but have you thought about this? <laughs> it's you that know? kind of person. It's the but, right, right. In the book, I think you made a distinction. This might help me between being critical and thinking critically. Yeah. It, what's the difference there? Well, thinking critically is the skill that I'm trying to encourage all of us to hone to get better at. And the the great part about skills, um, you remember Allen Iverson from that famous press conference when he said practice why are we talking about practice um the skills are wonderful and hard the great part about skills is that you can get better at them the hard part of skills is that you have to practice them i mean any skill you have to practice it and so the difference between thinking critically is that thinking critically is a skill and being critical i I call it a snare Hmm. um it's i i grab that word from proverbs because king solomon uses that word to talk about Uh, The fear of man being a snare. It's something you get caught up in. Um, I think of a snare as not, you know, a hunter is not using a snare to aggressively hunt an animal. It's hoping an animal backs into this or or uh, doesn't pay enough attention that it just slips into this, which is that's what happens to a critical spirit or critical heart or critical mind is that you usually wake up one day and realize like, oh, no, I was attempting to think critically and apply myself to what I'm working on and to bring value and to bring up uh, ideas and solutions that will make things better, but I've slipped into being critical. Uh, Critical people are people that think about problems without thinking of solutions. They're people that uh, are really good at deconstructing and not constructing. Uh, Uh, They tear things down instead of building things back up. And I think ultimately it all, um, I think the foundation of it is motive. Is what are what is your heart toward that person or that organization? Are you wanting good things for them? Are you wishing goodwill upon them? And if you are, I think you can be a person that's thinking critically. That makes a lot of sense. So the the, the heart and the posture. If I'm not for somebody or um, hoping for the best, then it's easy for me to be critical and just naysay it. And what yep. about? And yep. but the difference you mentioned, you just said is is whether or not someone's solution focused that's a differentiator to I, tell the difference that's one of them okay between critical being critical or thinking critically yeah it's it differentiates between the spirit or the snare of being critical and the skill of thinking critically because solution focus is thinking critically for the sake of solution because I'm for something yeah for the betterment of a of an organization or a company or a team or a person and if you can apply that critical thought with the power of positive positive thinking and reframing this in a hope-filled, can-do, forward-thinking way, I'm telling you, it's the kind of person mm-hmm. that can build a lot of influence on a team, whether you have authority or not. Yeah, I want that person on my team. I do too. I do <laughs> not want somebody that's critical. No. And that's a thing. I don't line want because- somebody that's critical, and I don't, also don't want someone that's turned their mind off, that's not thinking of that how to good. approach a problem. Because 
you know, what we found in our organization, you know, this to be true, Robbie, the, the person that is closest to the problem usually has the best perspective on the problem. But sometimes that person also is more, uh, it's easier for that person to get negative mm. or to turn their mind off and think, well, I'm not in charge. But the truth is, if we can get people to uh, apply critical thought and also do it in a positive posture, I, I think that's the kind of leader that, it, to your point, that's the kind of leader that everybody wants on their team. So why not let's become that kind of leader in our homes and in, in our families and in our groups? What does that look like? What's a good example? Well, I mean, I could think of loads of examples where um, if you're if you're leading a group, it's probably that person that you lean on that is exemplifying this in your group. It's the person that's going like, hey, I got an idea. Hmm. What if our group went on a retreat? Hmm. No problem if we don't do it your own way, make it your idea. But I feel like it would really bond our group or it's the it's the guy that you lean on your married group that says, hey, next week, I think we ought to split up. And if you bring it up, I'll support you on it. You know, it's there. They haven't checked out. They're not just going with the flow, whatever you say. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Everything's great about that. Awesome. Fantastic. But they are applying their their critical thought in a positive way. And they've actually uh, created cultivated influence with you, even though you might be the group leader. So that's one example in a group context. And so is the win in critically thinking and, and offering that you get to do better stuff or that you move toward a better situation, a better solution, a better whatever? Yeah. I Lee, your questions are always so, um, you always are trying to get at the heart <laughs> of what this is really about, which I respect a ton. I don't think of it necessarily in a self, I, I don't, I hope I don't think of it in a selfish way. I don't think leadership is a tool that God has given us to make ourselves better yep. hmm. or to give ourselves more power or to get ourselves into a better position. Will that happen if you wield influence in a positive way? Yes. Because God's going to steward. That's the men. way God works. Yeah, Jesus said, if you can't be responsible with a little, why would I give you more? Yeah. And in the flip side, if you can be responsible with a little, I'll trust you with more. So, to your to your question, what's the goal out of this? Like, what are you trying? Why? Why are you trying to do this? I don't. I can't speak for every person's motive. I know my motive is God has designed me to want to move things forward. It's the way I was. I believe it is innate in God's wiring in me. I think it's a. I think it is an outcome of creation that God gave us this mandate to go fulfill the earth, which is fantastic, and then go. Uh, go have dominion over the animals to go kibosh the world, which literally means to bring order to things, to create things, to create movement and momentum. And I think that's the more you do this, the more influence you will gain and the more you will be able to fulfill God's calling in your life. I think that makes a ton of sense. And and another, another option that occurs to me, like is my, if I'm in a group of people with my wife and she can, you know, think of how to make things better she can point out to me like, hey, you could have cared for this person better or yep. maybe you didn't have awareness or notice this. And I don't know. I appreciate it. Man, well, it, it helps you better. It helps you get better as a leader. Certainly. Right. Because she thinks about it. <laughs> two, two things come to mind in this conversation. One is it's awesome on recording to have Clay Jesus juke you just now Lee, with the principal. <laughs> well, the, the, the second part is I, I was I've been wrestling with this being uh, a critical thinker and thinking critically is a 
primary leadership attribute because so many times that feels negative. And the difference that you described is so clarifying to me because thinking critically to feels like making it better. They care enough and they're going to think objectively yep. to then make it better. That feels life-giving and I'm drawn to that. I want that person on my team, in my group. Yep. I want to be that for my wife because that feels loving to make it better. And that that thin line of differentiation uh, with the critical thinker, that's tearing it down. That's the, someone that the feels person like that tearing is critical. It down. Yeah, the, yeah. A, a critical person tears down, yep. doesn't make it better. Yep. But, th- but that difference, man, if I could... If I could go into meetings, if I could go into my men's group, if I could go home today and and enter into the conversation with my wife with that mentality of like, I want to think critically to make it better because I love you. For your for sake. You. That's because right. I love you. Yeah. That it, that is a great posture. I see that definitely on the the personal level, the individual level. How would we talk about encourage this in our group? How would we Well, I mean, a great conversation to have would be how do you develop this? Because I think some people are naturally good at this. I mean, honestly, the two of you are probably good examples of this. Lee, you probably lean toward being positive. It's just more it's easier in your nature. I am. Is that and I really true? appreciate you saying that. You're <laughs> fantastic at And then Robbie, me. you're just naturally more analytical. Like you walk into situations and you just think, ah, here's three that was, things that if they changed, it would get better. I naturally think more critically than Lee. That's I, what I hear you saying. I say. appreciate the positive spin you've put by saying <laughs> analytical. I would have gone a different way. Yeah, there's another word for it, but it really is it de- it depends on how another you Another word it. is Clay's third leadership principle on how to lead when you're not in charge. I mean That's right. It's only the third yeah. one. But I, I bring that up to say a great group conversation would be if I'm in Robbie's seat and my personality is wired for that, his his temperament is going to be way, it's going to be more dangerous and more of a temptation for him to become critical. Mm. I have worked with so many people that are analytical. Mm-hmm. They, are, they, they are so good. They're engineer types. They're accounting types. They're attorneys. Super smart. They are super smart. They are really good at identifying issues, but issue identification alone doesn't help anything or anyone. And so helping helping somebody like Robbie figure out, okay, well, how can I not become critical? That's probably where the discussion should go in a group. And then for somebody like Lee to go, well, hey, I just don't sit around and think about how to make things better. I'm just kind of content with... Don't need as much help. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. It makes me think of a conversation we have. I had with Dennis Latimer. He he's been an elder here at the church, and and we know Dennis. He's he's an incredibly wise guy. He he said everybody can be a, think critically. That's like the universal gift. Everybody can think critically. But when he goes into an organization and he looks for uh, two step leader potential type people. What he looks for are people that are owning results, yeah. which is... Everybody owns an opinion, but not everybody's right. willing to own a result. So he goes in and looks for the people. That, if he needs a new leader or manager or boss, he looks yeah. for the people that are owning the results yeah. because they thought critically and then applied that to make it better and then led out with yeah. um, by leading themselves and owning that. Yeah, and I would just say, to, to, to finish that, not everyone does think critically. Some mm. people, do, they just don't do it naturally. I've, I've bumped into so many people in and communicating this content a lot that just say, Hey, that's just not me. I just don't do that naturally. Here's the great thing though, because it's a skill, you can learn how to do it and you can get better at doing it. And honestly, if somebody with Lee's wiring would sit down and ask Robbie, Robbie, well, how do you, what do you do to practice the skill of that? There's probably something for Lee to learn. And there's probably something for Robbie to learn on how do you reframe things in a positive way so that you're not 
a jerk in every meeting that you're in. There's probably something for both of us here. Man, do you take notes on that? I mean, this is great stuff, guys. So, hey, let's pause. Let's. The fourth is actually my favorite principle, Clay, out of your book. I can't wait to get to it. But first, we need to pause for a little section we like to call Man Hacks. So a man hack is a tip or a trick to make you a tippy or tricky a man. A tippy or tricky man. <laughs> just a- <laughs> All right, guys. So a man hack are tips or tricks to just be uh, more efficient, productive, I don't know. Just best practices. We're just passing ways to make your life better. That's what's up. That's what a man hack is. Lee, what do you have for us this week? All right, guys, this week, my man hack has to do with your phone. Maybe you guys all know this, but I have learned it recently and it's changed my life completely. So you know how sometimes when you're sending a text or writing an email on your phone and you want to move your cursor back to to a word that you misspelled and you want to delete a letter and you can't get your finger to get that Those little bubble fat thing. Fingers fat fingers want to go where you want them to go. Yeah, can't, keep going. Can't get the bubble where you want it. <laughs> if you will place your finger on your space bar and hold it there, it will let you scroll all over that screen and it is a life had no changing idea. man. Hate. I've never I, heard it that. Is so you hold your fantastic. thumb on the space bar and it can slide over instead hold of trying thumb, eight it'll times highlight to highlight all of the text and then you can just move move the cursor wherever you need it. It is I love it. gold. I love it. So mine's a technology trick as well this time. You know that Shazam thing that everybody thought was a game changer and you have to have the app and all love that stuff? Shazam. 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 What song is this? Well, I don't love Shazam. I've never had Shazam and I just realized I don't need it because I have Siri. Siri, Siri, what song is this? That's all you got to do. Same Love deal. It. Forget Shazam. It's, it's dead. It's replaced Siri. Shazam. Siri, Siri, Siri is Siri. there. Sorry, Shazam. Shazam. It's the new That's girl right. on town. Shazam's out. That's what's up, guys. Robbie, and that's Robbie it. broke up with Shazam, and he's back with Siri. <laughs> that's it, guys, for this section we like to call Man Hacks. All right, Clay. So as my boss, uh, after the last conversation uh, about thinking critically, I've got a list for you of things, by the way. Um, just Things that need to change? Yeah. Yeah. Is that okay? <laughs> Should we set up a separate meeting? Well, uh, for sure that's okay, because <laughs> I want people on our team who are applying their mind, thinking about, hey, what needs to change? And if you are waiting on me to tell you what needs to change, I would say you're not doing your job. So I love that. But to your question... Yeah, I think figuring out how to communicate that is a pretty crucial part to learning how to lead when you're not in charge. And mm-hmm. I I spent uh, two full chapters at the end of this book writing about how do you challenge your boss? Mm-hmm. Because I thought the same thing would happen. I thought there's probably going to be people, I just know for my own self, the more I wrote this, the more I thought about things that I wanted to change, things that I knew needed to change and how to be more intentional about that. And so um, I tried to offer some, uh, here's some feedback on how that's worked for me. Um, and how it hasn't worked for me. So, um, yeah, but I think walking directly into your boss and dropping those things on him is probably not the best so idea. So do it, do it with a little bit of positivity. <laughs> and tact. Sprinkle some positivity on it. Yeah, That's right. but you unpack in the book the vehicle to think critically, That's right. practically with your That's boss. That's right. And, and honestly, it's, it's my favorite part of what I got to work on because I get to share a story about a guy named Shane Todd who I referenced earlier who is a Chick-fil-A operator in Athens and... Uh, started making the milkshake before the milkshake ever was uh, put approved to be on the menu. And it's a great example of somebody who thought critically and then figured out the best way to go and approach his boss on how to, how to, uh, how to do that in a really great way that doesn't get you fired, but also moves the idea forward. Love it. That's awesome. So the, the fourth, I want to yep. jump into the fourth. What is the fourth behavior 
the the fourth and last behavior for me is to learn to reject passivity. Um, the hardest thing about not being in charge is that you don't you aren't the final one that makes decisions. It's honestly it's what's fun about being in charge is mm. you get to make the decision. And that's a good thing. But for those of you who have to make a lot of decisions or even have to make the hard decisions in your organization, you know that that's um, that's not always a gift. Sometimes that is a burden. Uh, But learning how to not allow passivity to creep in on you uh, when you're not the final decision maker is really difficult to do, because as you're. The, the the longer you are not in charge, the more passive you are naturally going to become because you're just used to deferring and going, well, it's not my call. Because we can pass the buck. We can scapegoat because exactly it's right. their call, and so we go passive. Yep. I think about my relationship with Emily. It feels like some decisions I just don't want to go there, and yep. it, I'm That's lazy, and so I'll let her make the decision. Yep. I'm not. And, and to the podcast with Tim Baker on Challenging Societal Norms, I walked away going... I need to own it, which feels like a different spin to go, uh, to reject passivity. We need to own it. And it's just too easy not to. And you you know, plenty of uh, couples, mostly men who just defer to their wife so much that they've become passive. Mm -hmm. And there's obviously there is a submission that happens when you defer, Mm -hmm. but there are times when you need to make sure that that passivity has not gotten into you. Um, and, and make sure that it is done out of uh, mutual submission and out of love and out of servanthood and not out of passivity because passivity is dangerous. And it really is. It's like a to me, it's like a virus when it gets in you. It just starts affecting everything about your life. And so um, in the same way, um, I, I mean, mac and cheese is one of my all time favorite foods mm. in the same way the cheese bakes into the mac and cheese. I would say passivity has the potential to bake inside of you. And when and it, when it gets in you, it's like black mold. It's just hard to get it out of you. And so it is, a, it is an intentional, active process to reject it on purpose when you're not in charge. So obviously it's not the solution, but I just want to make the distinction between passivity and aggression. We're not saying... That's a great point. Be aggressive. No, it's not about walking around going... I'm going to tell everyone what I think all the time just because I can. Yep. Because um, I reject passivity. No, that's right. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's why there, it's why there's four of them that the, I think these com these combos, um, just like delicious combos, they work really well together. And you know, the power of choosing positivity is a great thing, but it's not a great thing in and of itself. And the power of thinking critically can be dangerous if you become too critical and, and the power of, uh, rejecting passivity doesn't give you the license to walk around and just be as aggressive telling everybody everything at all times. Right. Because again, the goal is what can I do to best cultivate influence so that I can awaken the thing that God has put inside of me. And I think about walking into a men's group. If I'm leading myself, then what rejecting passivity looks like is I'm going to take ownership in my group and because I know I can lead me and, mm-hmm. and I can be responsible for that. And I'm not going to be passive and just, um, I'm going to do the hard work, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean I'm going to go fix other people. That's, that's the opposite of that. No, I, I think, um, learning to instead love people really well and ask some really good questions 
is a way better way to approach it than um, than trying to just be aggressive and go, well, let me fix. Yeah, in a group, asking a question takes a lot more intentionality mm-hmm. than trying to tell somebody or fix somebody or give them an answer. Asking a thoughtful question or a second question to our wives or to guys in our group, that is that is the opposite of passivity. It takes It's the extra energy to think of yeah. the way to care for and ask somebody a question. Yeah. And I, when I was, um, for me, I thought about all of this in the context of your boss. Mm-hmm. And so it is, um, I wouldn't say the parallel is one-to-one necessarily in the group context, but it certainly would work. The idea would be, I was really trying to write to the person who had just become passive because they had deferred so much to the boss. And yep. so they were just waiting to get to be in charge. And the danger of that is that you miss opportunities and that you miss those moments of creating and cultivating influence inside of you. And so um, maybe a simple example, one that I have used over and over again, we had an intern. One of the first things we would do in student ministry, I worked in student ministry 10 or 15 years ago, and we would have our summer interns clean out the prop closet because just over the course of the year, it would get just crazy messy and everybody just throw stuff in there from events. And so, you know, June would come around, summer would hit, and we'd ask the interns to clean out the closet. Some would call it hazing. I don't. I would say it's a it's an opportunity for growth, you know? That's right. Um, but we, I remember a couple of years ago hearing about this intern that heard that that was one of the first assignments that they got and went ahead and started cleaning the closet. That's and awesome. I remember being stunned by that because I thought, well, most people don't. And the reason why they don't is because they think, well, I don't know if they're going to ask us to do that. Maybe or, we can avoid it. Maybe we can avoid it. Or I don't know how to do it the right way. They haven't given us any instruction. Mm. And the truth is uh, it, there doesn't really need to be instruction. Everyone yep. in general knows what a clean, organized closet is. But learning to pick up that kind of problem and go, I'm not going to be passive. I'm going to hold up a problem and say, hey, is anybody working on this? Yep. If not, then I'm going to attack it. And so things to pay attention to are things in your group that consistently get brought up as a problem. It might be uh, you don't have enough seating in your group week after week, and it might be you bringing a beanbag next time to your group, or it might be on your team at work that that system that's broken that keeps getting brought up, but nobody has the intentionality or the uh, margin to fix it of you going, hey, does anybody mind if I take a stab at fixing this? And I think a lot of times we don't because we think, well, what if I waste my time? What if I do it? And then the boss comes in and says, no, that's not the right way, way to do it. You need to redo the closet and clean it a different way. Um, but that's a bridge that you can cross when you get there. I think the, what's worse is letting passivity creep in. You know, the example that comes to mind for me, I remember um, it was, I don't know, like a year ago, Robbie and I were having a one-on-one and I remember saying, you know, just Robbie checking in, how you doing? And just saying, oh, you know, we've just been so busy. You know, we're busy all the time. And Is this you saying this or him This is me telling Robbie how, how I'm busy, doing. We're yeah. just, I'm just busy. And Robbie said, you're still busy? Like, that's been your response for like three months in a <laughs> row. Are you going to do something about that? And it just, it, it never occurred to me before that moment that I had resigned that's good. to, oh, well, it's a busy life and that's that, a good this word. is all I got. Or yeah. maybe I can do something about it. It was... I don't even think you were making a point of it. It just like stuck in my head. Huh. I love the word resigned. I think there are yeah. plenty of people that are resigned to, well, I'm not in charge and therefore 
I can't have I can't lead. I think because it's I'm not safer in yeah. too. I think it, it's different than waiting. Like you can wait for yeah. a moment. You can wait for the sure. right moment. But if you resign to it, it, it just feels up. safer. Yeah. It, it, let somebody else make a decision because yep. we can maintain steady crews. Yep. It takes courage to reject passivity. Yeah, it does. So, so what do we ask the guys in our group how about do, how this? do we help each other? How do we to become leaders who reject passivity? Well, I, I mean, there there's a simple yes or no question. I think there's a is this something that has happened to you at work that I think a group would be a great place to share that to go. Hey, it is not God honoring for me to become passive because God has created me mm. with a thing in me that says go bring order to something, go create something. Yeah, and so if I've just resigned. You know, I haven't literally resigned, but I have resigned in my job. I think that's worth telling somebody and yeah. admitting to someone because that's not, I think we all know that's not the kind of leader that we want to be, but it the, the danger of not having authority is that it can happen to every single one of us. A thought that I'm thinking now also is what area of my life have I uh, become passive? And the and to process that with the guys in my group, I'm going to take that to them Thursday because there's a spot in my life where I've been passive and I need to reject that yep. and lead out. Well, I mean, here, can I just give an example yeah. of where this shows up in my life? You know, so Easter's right around the corner. We've been sitting in all these Easter. What are we going to do for Easter? You know, it's the Super Bowl of church world, you know, and uh, except way more exciting and way not, more exciting, I mean, less collision, not, not boring, right? But more scoring, not, yeah, right. more scoring, That's less right. boring. That's right. Um, let's say I reject passivity and say, hey, I'm going to get ready for this meeting. I'm going to prepare for it because the usually the idea that wins the meeting is the idea that's at least half-baked. It's mm. been a little time in the oven. So I put on paper, hey, here's my plan for Easter that I think we ought to, we got to agree on it. We're six churches. We got to do this together. We got to harness all of our energy together. I pass it around the room. I'm not in charge of the meeting. These are other lead pastors that are in charge of their own deal. And they all go, yeah, we like it. Let's go for it. And then a couple weeks later, this rarely happens here, but um, I've heard it called the swoop and poop, hmm. where the boss swoops in weeks later and says, hey, I know you guys have that plan, but we're going a different direction. Yep. We're actually going to go you know, do something different. Jesus that feels is, like a waste of time then. It feels like a complete waste of time, which perpetuates the passivity. Yeah. Because when Christmas comes around- I'm not going to fool. I'm not. I'm going to sit at my desk and go, well, screw it. Well, I might not say screw it, but I would say I'm not going to put in that effort because it might get wasted. Yeah. So what I've had to tell myself, really two things. Number one, I'm not, first of all, God doesn't waste things. God is not a wasteful God. So he's always using it. He's using it in me, number one, to develop something. He's building a skill. Mm. So he's maybe creating a skill in me on order or a skill in me on preparation. Something, you know, Malcolm Gladwell says 10,000 hours it takes for us to become excellent at something. So that's, hey, a couple hours down that I've already, I can check off. And then secondly, what I've learned too is that the good news about church world is that Easter always comes back around. And so in a couple of years, to be able to dust that idea back off and pass it okay. back around, you're get a Resurrect head, get, it? Resurrect. Oh, yeah, that goodness. happens. <laughs> Thank but you. But the same thing is true in your world, probably, wherever you're listening from. Maybe it's a, you put in a lot of work to get ready for a sales call, and then the boss came in and said, we're going to go a different direction. Well, chances are down the road, there's going to be another sales call similar to that, and you're not wasting your effort. You're and, creating something. And for those of us that lead teams, we're probably thinking, Oh, if I need more employees like that, that reject oh passivity. Yeah. And but in the same way, 
our boss is thinking that about why us. not become that that kind of employee well, exactly I think, I think the other aspect that maybe we're not talking about and just you guys talking together you guys know that you are generally confident humans confident men and you're not overthinking I'd say these fully things. alive and so and so <laughs> yeah you're fully alive very confident man and so you're thinking about this in a in a non identity affecting hmm. view and so you know when someone swoops and poops you know a lot of us deal at the same time yeah. with you know take, I, it, no per, one cares. take it personal or, i'm a failure that's right yeah he hates me yeah, she hates me i have me. some of my value tied mm-hmm. up in this idea that i'm putting out there yeah, and so it's huge. like Ugh, i don't know what to do with that which i think that's probably uh that's a podcast for another day it probably leads to passivity quite honestly it absolutely does because if you are afraid to risk yourself back to what you said that to reject passivity takes courage robbie the only way to be courageous enough i would say is to live in god's perfect love Mm. because that's how you develop the that that fear eradication kind of spirit that only god's love can provide and when you can get there then you can Say, you know what? I'm not going to take that personally. I'm that is good. Put my identity in who God says I am. And I would say, some would say, you cannot do that unless you choose to lead yourself. And here we are. We're here full we circle are, right back at it. This has been, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've got to transition out of that one and we wrap do. it up. Clay, we hope this conversation is rich for your men's group. And we're going to have show notes to help as a guide with questions for how to lead yourself, how to choose positivity, how to think critically, and how to reject passivity. And we have environments, hopefully with each other, to process these things so that we can develop these skills and muscles to become better men. And in doing that, we can ask the questions, what does this mean for me personally? What am I going to do about it? And then how can we help each other? We hope you guys enjoy this. And, and Clay, before we let you go, we, we wrap up uh, with a few questions Uh-oh. for you. This is kind of a fire round. You didn't tell me about this. We did not. Um, I apologize for that. I would have prepared. Lee, throw him the question. All right, here Number we go. one, the what is it? first question we ask guests is, what are you reading or learning lately, currently? I am reading a book by Sheryl Sandberg called Option B Option right B. now. Okay. Yeah, it's on resilience. Do you recommend Do you re- it yet? Fantastic. Do you know? Do you yeah, know? No, it's I think it's terrific. Yeah, cool. it's really good. That's awesome. Okay, Next second question. question. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Oh, my goodness. I would say... Get your freaking act together. (laughs) I would say, no, I I would say, hey, um, you need to start thinking about yourself accurately. Um, I have a tendency to um, uh, not see myself correctly, and that's been a battle. I mean, back to that identity thing we were just talking about, Lee, but um, I would say, hey, the sooner you can start seeing yourself the way God sees you, the better, the more freedom you'll find in this life. That's good. That's good. All right. Last question, equally deep. If you're going to blow a hundred bucks on something, frivolous spend, what are you going to spend it on? Oh my goodness. hundred dollars. My wife thinks I've got a shoe problem. <laughs> so I'd probably buy a pair of t- some sort of pair of shoes. I don't know. That's awesome. What's your, what's your latest pair of shoes you bought? Uh, well, I, she bought them cause I asked her to, but I got some air, uh, some, uh, uh, all birds. Huh. Yeah. You liking them? Love them. They're soups comp. Aren't they like 95 bucks? That fits the question. Just slid right in under 100. I don't even know what that Good is. job. 
Clay, thanks for joining. Guys, before we wrap up, we hope you enjoyed this. Like it, subscribe it, and enjoy this section, which is a couple minutes of wisdom from our friend, John Woodall, in a section we like to call Wisdom from the Woods. Recently, I was talking with my friend Will on another podcast where we were looking at the subject of conflict. And I love doing these podcasts with him because he just asks very insightful questions and he just draws out ideas that are very enjoyable and helpful to talk about. And one of the things that we were talking about, he was asking me, is conflict normal? Is it bad? And and as I was thinking about it, I just want to say for all of you guys that might be in the midst of conflict in your marriage or family or, you know, in your work or somewhere in some of your relationships, I just want to say out loud that conflict is absolutely normal. It's just a, it's a reminder that, that we as men, you know, we're fallen. Uh, we carry a lot of scars. We carry a lot of damage from our story. We bump up uh, against other people that have different ideas. Things get said, things get done that hurt us and we end up hurting other people. And my experience with people is, particularly if somebody's a conflict avoider, uh, there's the tendency to stuff that, just to put it under the rug and hope that it goes away. A couple things that Will and I talked about earlier was um, just some values or some virtues that I try to bring into every conflict that I have, starting again with my wife, Debbie, uh, with whom I've been married 44 years. Anytime that Debbie and I face this kind of conflict, or if I have this with somebody at work or uh, with another man in my, my small group, I approach the conflict with a mindset in a spirit of humility. Um, James says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I've noticed that God resists the proud, and so do I. If, if I show up proud, if somebody else shows up proud in the conversation, um, there's resistance. But when we come in a spirit of humility, humbling ourselves before God and one another, grace shows up. Another thing that I think is really important, Proverbs says that a soft answer turns away wrath and grievous words stir up anger. Uh, When you're trying to resolve conflict, do everything that you can, ideally by the power of the Holy Spirit, to get uh, to a place of gentleness uh, where you're coming with a a soft response, a soft approach instead of being powered up. If you're powered up over uh, number five on a scale of one to ten, you need to rethink that conversation. And I would just um, say in conclusion that um, approach all of these relationships in a spirit of forgiveness. Uh, assuming the best of the other person, be willing to say, look, I'm sorry, Uh, I said this, I did this, I'd like to ask your forgiveness. But if they've offended you, violated you, frustrated you, that you would have the spirit of forgiveness to say, I forgive you. Those couple of things I think will help uh, resolve some of the conflict that you may be finding in your world today. Think about that. Guys, we hope you enjoyed this conversation with Clay. If you have not read How to Lead When You're Not in Charge by Clay Scroggins, you might be a fool. I'm not going to shame and throw it out there, but it is an incredible read. Go get it on Audible uh, and also get it on hard copy because mine is highlighted up with good stuff. And it's it's an enjoyable read. One of the most enjoyable reads on leadership. So hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. We will see you for the next episode.